listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Luke chapter number 8. So Jesus is, he's primarily sticking in his ministry around the city of Capernaum. That's in Galilee. It's right there on the Sea of Galilee. He's chosen 12 individuals to follow him. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and all of their representatives have decided because of what Jesus is preaching and because of some of the things that Jesus has been doing, specifically healing people on the Sabbath day. How dare you, Jesus, heal someone on the Sabbath day? Don't you know that you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, and Jesus could very easily say, of course I know I'm the one who wrote it, but I'm also the one who knows it correctly. So no, I'm not breaking my law. I'm not breaking anything. I'm doing what I've been sent to do. But they didn't like that. They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was doing. And so they had decided not only were they not going to follow him, not only were they not going to endorse him, in fact, they were going to come together and they were going to find a way to be rid of Jesus once and for all. But yet the ministry of Jesus continues. And so we see in chapter number eight, he's beginning to move out into a larger region. And from now on until the time that he is taken and betrayed, he's going to be on the move constantly all across, of course, Galilee, all across uh, Judea and southern Judea, even on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Jesus is going to be communicating the message of the kingdom and calling the people to follow him by faith. And so what we come today in chapter number eight is the first of many parables that Jesus is going to tell. Many stories that Jesus is going to use in order to make a point. There's no other gospel of the four that has the recording of more parables than Luke. And Jesus has already used several earthly illustrations in some of the things he was saying, but he's not yet told a parable in and of itself. And this will be the first of many to come in the gospel of Luke. So we find ourselves in verse number four, Luke tells us that when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. Let's just stop right there and let's talk about this word parable. It's a transliteration of a Greek word that just simply means to lay beside. And so basically what this idea is, he's going to tell a story that you're going to be able to lay a truth beside. Jesus is going to use a, an earthly story in order to communicate a heavenly principle, a godly principle. Verse number five, Jesus says, a sower went out to sow his seed. You can imagine, we, we, we don't do this today. I, my grandfather, I grew up, my grandfather had a garden, but I don't ever remember seeing him 
sow his field. I'm sure he did in whatever way and fashion he did. Now it's electronic and, and farmers do that with all types of technology. But in the time of, of this writing, the people would have been very familiar with someone going out into a plot of land where, where grain or barley or something of that nature was going to be grown and seeing the farmer come out with a bag draped around his, uh, with a sash around his chest, bag on his side with seed inside. And the farmer would go out and he would be in his field and he would reach in the bag and he would just broadcast the seed. He would just throw it and it would land where it would. And so the people that are hearing this story immediately understand what Jesus is talking about when he said a sower went out to sow. It would be very similar to if we were to tell a story and say, a guy punched the clock at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Immediately you would understand, okay, it's a laborer. He's going into his job. He's punched the clock. He's about to start his work. He says his sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some, talking about the seed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, you're dismissed. And off he went. And you would think, oh, wait, 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 just, just gonna, gonna leave it hanging out there? That's exactly what Jesus did. The people are gathered around, they've heard him communicate amazing truths. This is after, we believe, the, the great sermon that he preached on the hillside overlooking the, the, the Sea of Galilee, the one we would call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was saying things that, that was astounding many, and he had such authority that, that no one had ever heard before. It's, it's, like, it's like this man knows God personally. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And they're seeing him do things that are supernatural. And the things they haven't seen, they've heard from other eyewitnesses. So the crowds are growing and they're large. And Jesus stops and he turns around. Matthew tells us that the crowd was so big, he was by the sea, that he had to get into a boat and push out a little ways because the, they were pushing on him too much. And what's he going to say and what's he going to teach and what great nugget is he going to throw at us today? And Jesus said, guy went out and farm. He cast his seed out. Some fell on the path. Birds came. Got it. Took it away. Some fell on the rocky soil. Plants shot up. Not enough root for it to, to gather in. They withered away and died. Some fell over here on the place that wasn't quite prepared for seed and the thorns were over there. Seed came up, thorns with it, choked it out. Then other seed fell into good ground that was prepared and ready and it grew up and it provided a hundredfold yield. All right, you can go now. And the people, I'm sure, are like, what, 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 what that's it? That's, that's all he's going to say? Okay, guys, you can push me back over to the shore. We're, we're done here. Can't you just imagine the rumbling? What, what is he going to heal somebody? Gonna, I mean, is he going to turn something into wine? I mean, come on, we're here for the show. 
Jesus comes back and verse number 9, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, so as Jesus is getting off the boat, he's gathering back, okay, good. hey, thanks y'all for coming out, uh, we'll be at the next town later on if you want to come, great, if not, just whatever you want to do, come on fellas, let's go over here and grab us something to eat. The disciples are like, um, Jesus, what was that all about? I mean, what, is, is there a point to the story? I mean, what, 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 the, the people are disgruntled. You, you're not going to keep a crowd that way. I mean, you start throwing out these ambiguous stories and, and not tell what it means and not many folks are going to follow you. What, what, is, what did you mean by this? And he said something very bizarre, I believe. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now that's a, that's a strange answer in my mind. Jesus, what, 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 what did you mean by that parable? Surely there was a point. Jesus says, oh, there's a point. You see, you've been given the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. But for the others out there, I'm going to speak in parables. So that even though they hear, they're not really understanding. And even though they see, they don't really get what's happening. And, and I don't know about you, but that causes me to scratch my head saying, Jesus, are, are you intentionally making this hard for the crowd are you intentionally trying to, to confuse people? And I think Jesus would smile at me and he would go, yeah, you just, you just don't get how much bigger the mind of God is than, than your little mind. But let me answer your question by this. Yes and no. Well, great. That didn't help me at all, I don't believe. What Jesus does right here, and, and it's fleshed out a little bit more in the Gospel of Matthew, what Jesus does is quotes in his answer so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. You can read that on your own time. This is when God calls Isaiah initially. You remember, God says, uh, who can I send and who will go from, uh, for us? And, and, and Isaiah says, here, my Lord, send me. You know, and he's looking for someone, and Isaiah's like, I don't think I can go. I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. And the angel puts the, 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 the coal on his mouth. Isaiah chapter 6, read it. It's pretty amazing seeing the Lord high and lifted up as, as Isaiah's listening. And one of the first things that, that, that God says to Isaiah is, you're going to be my messenger. And you're going to communicate to my people. But they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to respond to you. They're not going to do anything that you relay to them that I said. Now, when I came here in 2008 was when we came here. I remember the folks that were here and the leadership. They were like, 
well, you know, there's, we got this going on here and, you know, we got, we've got this thing as well, but hey, we've also got, and so they were basically just, you know, informing me about kind of the, the nature of the church. You know, this is a real strength we got. This is a real weakness we've got. And you know, those were, those were helpful. You know, at the end of the day, I just felt like, okay, God wants me to come. Which we're going to come. It doesn't really matter what's going on here. But I got to tell you, I probably would have thought twice if those leaders would have said, and by the way, coming be our pastor means you can count on folks aren't going to do what you say. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to open their Bibles. They're going to smile and they're going to walk out and they're not going to change. I might have went, you know, maybe this is not the best place to be, right? I mean, if I that's exactly what God said to Isaiah. You're my prophet. You're going to go represent me. And the folks are not going to hear you. Not going to care a lick about what you say. But it's what I say that they really don't care about. And as he's communicating to Isaiah, he's actually speaking a word of judgment. What God is saying is, They don't want to listen, so I'm going to confuse them. They don't want to see, so I'm going to make it hard for them. Because of their response, because of the hardness of their heart, fine. I'm going to communicate to you, and you're not going to understand it. It was a judgment phrase that God was saying. In response to their reception, or should I say, non-reception to the Word. And so now what Jesus is doing is he's communicating that that same type of thing is going to be happening in his ministry moving forward. Moving forward, he says, I'm going to be speaking in parables. And some won't understand and won't care and will walk away because they've not seen the show. Because I've not tickled their ears. Because I've not told them what they wanted to hear. Because I've not invited them to be a part of something that they thought they needed a special invitation for. And they'll walk away. But others like yourself, some will hear and get the point. You who have ears to hear, hear. And some will, I think I know what he's talking about. Others won't exactly know what he's talking about, like yourself, but they'll follow along. Jesus, could I, could I get, I, I heard what you said. The soil, the seed, some, some, and some. How, but how does that work? How, do I, how, how does that work for me? And they'll be curious. And they'll understand. And so what Jesus is going to do is explain this parable. And through the explanation, through the parable, he's going to communicate to these who are going to take the baton from him. And be the first of those who will communicate the message that he is communicating on his behalf. I said the first because they wouldn't be the last. But in this, Jesus is communicating to the crowd and he's going to be able to communicate to the disciples, the apostles, about what is going to be needed in order for the gospel to work in the lives of the people. And so he explains the parable. He says, now the parable, verse number 11, the parable is this. Well, here's what it means. The seed is the word of God. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us who the sower is, 
But, but we can assume that at least at this point, the sower is Jesus. But I think we could say that, that it would be in fairness that the sower would be anyone who is casting out the message of God, the word of God. And what is the message of God that Jesus is communicating? The kingdom is here. Entrance comes through repentance and follow me by faith. He's basically demonstrating that he is Messiah. The leaders of the synagogues have said, no, we reject him. But now the people are given the opportunity to follow their leaders or follow this one who is demonstrating all of the things in the Old Testament that were necessary in order for him to be identified as Messiah. And so Jesus says the seed in the parable is the word of God. It's what God is saying. It is what God is demonstrating. Verse number 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard, so the seed gets cast and it falls along the path. So I'm imagining my grandparents' property and you ride out a dirt road to their home, and right beside the dirt road was the garden. It was a ditch, and it had grass and weeds and whatnot, and then the dirt road with gravel on it, and then the field. And so basically what Jesus is saying is the seed that lands on the hard-packed roadway, pathway, where the people walked between the fields are those who here, the seed is there, but the path represents those individuals who, having heard the word of God, then the devil, he's talking about Satan, comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that, that they may not believe and be saved. So he says the, the path represents those in the crowd who hear the word, they hear the message from the one communicating the message. It goes in their ears, they hear it, but they pay it no attention. And the devil easily comes along and snatches it away. So that it is almost like they never even heard it at all. You've heard the phrase, in one ear and Jesus says there will be those who hear the message of God. They're looking right at you. But they don't get it. Because they don't want it. There's a lot of teachers in the room here today. <laughs> You've stared into the smiling faces of students. Smiling at you. Nodding at you. At the, the appropriate times. And you know because of the work they have done on previous tests and quizzes and projects, you know that they're smiling and they're a million miles away. They're hearing it. They're nodding. But they're not with you. And they're going to prove it here in just a minute when you tell them to take out a sheet of paper and then repeat what they... Jesus said there are going to be those that the message hits, but their heart is hard. And they won't believe. Not, not because they can't believe. See, I reject that. That someone can't receive the message. I don't think God's ever communicated that. But what he's saying is, they won't 
because their heart is so hard. And while the words sit there, the enemy comes along and snatches it away. He says, but they're not the only ones. He says, the ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. So in in that culture, in that uh, agricultural environment, they didn't have the equipment that we have. Obviously, they, they had plows, yes, but most people who farmed didn't have oxen. They weren't metal workers, so they didn't, they didn't have the ability to get as deep in the soil as we're used to seeing and thinking about. But what they would do is they would have these plows with little, uh, little wooden forks on it that would pull away the topsoil, and it would just scratch the surface of the topsoil so that those nutrients, so that those things could become a little bit more brittle, and the seed would find a way to get down. Then once they sowed the seed, they would probably come back around with a little larger hand tool and try to scuff the ground a little harder so that the seed would find depth. What they weren't able to determine in this part of the process was what area of the ground had a a, a shallow limestone layer. So that you're scratching, you're seeing the topsoil get get broken apart, but you don't know about that rock that's underneath it. You would discover that when you come with your shovel and you try, oh, wow, there's rock here. I can do one of two things. I can spend time to, to remove that rock so that this part of the ground is, is uh, more available, or I may just go, I don't have time to do this. I got to keep moving on. Bottom line is you don't know. And Jesus said some of the seed falls on the path. Those hearts are hard. They won't believe because they've decided they're not going to believe, and, and the enemy just has easy pickings, takes them one ear out the other. And then there are some, the seed falls on rocky ground. You don't know it's rocky. You, you don't know that there's no depth of soil until it begins to grow. And immediately you see it sprout up just like everything else. But as the plant is looking for a way down, they find an obstruction. And because they can't dig deeply and find roots in which to ground that plant, they ultimately wither and die. These are those in, that, that have a, a shallow heart, a rocky heart. They hear the word, immediately they respond to the word, they believe for a while, verse 13, and in time of testing, they fall away. Now this word testing can go one of two different directions. This is a time of external testing of circumstances and challenges and it could also be an idea of temptation bottom line is jesus says listen fellas as i communicate the message i'm doing this in parables because we're trying to discover who's with us and who's not those that have hard hearts are going to hear me tell this story and their curiosity is going to be drenched and they're going to go home and we're going to recognize those as having hard hearts not wanting to know and the enemy just takes away the message they see it as foolishness then there will be some when they hear the message immediately they receive it with joy oh man that's the greatest thing I've ever heard and I want to follow can't tell you how many first time 
time folks have come, just in the time we've been here, never seen them before, and, and, and they'll say, come up afterward and like, Pastor, that's a great thing. I've been away from the Lord for a long time, and I just, you know, heard that, what you said this morning, and I'm just, I'm, I'm on fire now. I'm ready to get back in, and, and I'm ready to walk with Jesus. I'm like, awesome. That's fantastic. And then the next week, they're there like, hey, good to see you. And I'm thinking, this is great. And then next thing you know, I'm gone. Uh, send them messages, won't return messages, won't see them. They're gone. What's happened? Well, probably what's happened is that they've started walking this way of Jesus, and then they discovered, man, this is going to cost me more than I was expecting to pay. I'm, and I'm talking, not, not talking about money. Those of you who are visiting, we don't make you pay at the end. So but this is going to cost more out of my life. Oh, Hmm. So you mean I can't follow Jesus and follow this way? So you mean what, what I've got going over here, Jesus wouldn't approve of, and he would want me to let go of this so that I might follow him more effectively? Yeah, I don't know. Or a circumstance pop up, and, and because you know God doesn't do what I expect him to do, or maybe I get my feelings hurt because somebody didn't respond like I thought they would, they fall away. Now, it's not that they trip and fall over the difficulty. This word to fall away means that they pack up their stuff and go, now, Eugene, I'm not packing up. That's his signal to come play. I'm going home. Well, if that's how it's going to be, then I don't want any part of it. Jesus says it sprouts up for a minute and you're thinking, look there. It took, and then the next day it's withered and gone. Why? Because there's no depth. They receive it joyfully, but then you turn around, you're like, hey, where, where did they, okay, I guess they're not with us anymore. Jesus said, you, you just need to be prepared for that reality. He said, not only those, verse number 14, as for what fell among the thorns, I'm casting it, fell on the road, hard heart. Satan comes along, easy picking. And there's some in the rocky ground, comes up for a minute, no depth, they're gone. But then there are some that get tossed over here, looks like good ground, but there's thorns underneath it. There's weeds underneath it that fell among the thorns. They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. Okay, this looks a little different. So that, that one on the rocks, it comes up and it sprouts and you're like, yeah, and it's gone. These over here in the thorns, they begin to grow. And he doesn't say they wither. He just says that the weeds are growing up with the plant. They hear the message. The seed takes root. There's depth. But there's stuff. There's a, a congestion around. There's, a, there's conflict, meaning conflict in their growth and fruit production because there's weeds that are growing around. And where it could grow up, it's got the roots, it's got the depth, the soil was prepared, but the weeds are pulling it down. What are the weeds? He says they're the, the cares and riches and pleasures of life. This is where we live. This is where we live oftentimes. The cares of life, the riches of life, the pleasures of life become, not intentionally, become the thing that we live for. 
And it chokes out our ability to serve Him. Those of you who've been around a while, you'll know. Today will be the last week that I'll be here. We're going on a little bit of a vacation. We'll be gone for six weeks. You'll be in good care. We'll be back after six weeks. One of the things that I'm asking God to just do in my heart is to revive that sense of mission in me. We've spent 13 years, um, well, we, we started by, by, you know, addressing some things that kind of got, got left like in a lurch when we first came, just kind of, hey, can we stabilize? So we stabilized. And then we need to take some steps forward. We took some steps forward. 2010, we, we changed our name. We changed our documents. We, we did some, some pretty major things. We changed our, our governing structure and everything. I mean, wholesale. And it was a unanimous deal. Awesome. Most unity I've ever experienced in all my life. Miss Shirley was here. She remembers that time. So she's been through, and Martha too, been with us the whole time. We changed our name, everything. Then we started becoming a little bit of who we are. Then we had some other things that we needed to work on in order to get in line so that we could run. And as of this year, well, as of 2020, we're, we're finally at a place where we truly can run on mission without any distraction, without any hindrance whatsoever. And, and, and I find myself just tired, okay? Just a little bit tired. And that's why we're going on this, this little sabbatical. My prayer is, God, revive my focus on the mission. Show me what that looks like so that when we come back in six weeks, we can start beating the drum of our mission. If I were to ask some of you right now, what's the mission statement of Oasis Church? Probably a lot of you would go, uh, reach and teach. And that's, that's close, but that's not it. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. We are, we exist in order to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's a drum that we got to start beating. And it works out good that I'm the drummer around here. So I can just beat that drum. We can, I can keep somewhat time, all right? So we're going to beat that drum of the mission. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, then it looks like those two words, which are reach and teach. When we come back, we're going to start on a journey of how to empower y'all that are a part of this ministry, Okay. If you're visiting with us today, this would be a great way to decide whether or not you want to come back or not. So we're, we're, we're looking for God to show us how to ignite every one of you to the mission. What's the mission? The mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That means you've got to be in a growing relationship with Jesus if you're going to lead others into a growing relationship with you. And we're going to try to find new and creative and, and, and personalized ways. It's not going to be about having a, a, a community day, though we might have a community day. That's great. But it's going to be about more than that. It's going to be about you know releasing you to go out into your world where you work, where you live, to the folks you're related to and spread that seed like a sower 
That's what our, that's what our beat's going to be in just a few weeks. I'm, I'm at, okay, God, I need you to stoke the fire because that's the mission, and we don't know how long we got till Christ returns. It's going to be the weeds that keep us from that. It's not going to be his weeds in my life, her weeds in your life. It's going to be the weeds that you wrestle with. What are they? The cares of this life. The riches of this life. The pleasures of this life. And I think it's going to come down to a constant, consistent, ever-going question of this. What's more important to you? What's more important to me? The mission of Jesus or that thing that's choking me out? Jesus said, we're going to spread seed. We're going to preach the message of the kingdom. And guys, there are going to be some that are going to sprout up and things are going to look good and things are going to look great. But their life is going to be fruitless they're there they're growing up but no fruit is being produced you know why because the weeds are choking it out and they're they're living and they're following and 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 they're conflicted because they got so much else going on that they can't really follow wholeheartedly It sounds like when Jesus says, if you don't hate your mother and your father and your children and your brother in comparison to your love for me, then you're not my disciple. If you don't leave houses and land and pursuits and take up your cross and follow me, then you're not my disciple. And you go, that sounds hard. It's because it is. In America, we have grown lazy. And you notice I didn't say you have grown. I said we have. Leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus is going to require a heart that is consistently weeded. That doesn't mean you, you quit your job. It doesn't mean that you, you stop saving. That doesn't mean that you never invest in your children. But that does mean you take a step back and look at your life and go, okay, how much of this is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus? And when God says, well, that don't, That don't, that don't, that could, but it's not right now. That don't, that don't. Then we're willing to go, okay, Lord. Get the weeds out. Bring the roundup, squirt it, make it go deep down so that they just die. So that I can be on mission for you. Jesus said there's some that will pop up, but they're going to be choked out and they're not going to produce fruit because there's too many weeds. <clears throat> Verse 15. As for that in the good soil, when the seeds are cast out and, it's, and it falls into the plowed, prepared, not weedy, not rocky soil, the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, 
Hold it fast and in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Why, why does Jesus say with patience? Because it doesn't happen overnight. Anybody ever planted anything in, in any kind of garden? Even the tower gardens don't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes patience. And if you think about the apostles, we're thankful for them because they were morons, okay? They were idiots that Jesus just kept leading along. And you know what? They were the good soil. Thank you, Jesus, they were the good soil. Jesus was patient with them, and they just kept following even though they didn't get it, even though at times they messed up, and even though at times, i.e. Peter, I don't know him, blankety-blank, Messed up royally, Jesus just kept on calling, and they kept walking, and ultimately fruit kept being produced. So don't get discouraged because you're not perfect, because you mess up, because you fall down. The question is, how do you hear? What does the message do to you? Is it rocky? Is it packed? I mean, is it packed? Of course... You wouldn't know to answer that today anyway because you're not paying attention even though you're hearing. Is it rocky? You find yourself sprouting up and then falling away. Going, well, that's the case. No. Is it thorny ground? You got a lot of things you're juggling. And you might try to throw Jesus in there with the juggle a little bit, but it's not really I'm working my life for Christ and these other things are just a part of who I am. The good soil hears, it sprouts up, and fruit is born patiently. You, you know what the corn never did in my papa's, uh, my, my papa's uh, garden? I never walked out into the yard and heard the corn out there going, oh, oh, you know, trying to, you know, I never heard it, you know, trying to grow. How many of you are? you know, not quite yet five foot tall and you, you know, you drinking milk by the gallons. Okay. That's going to be more harmful than good for you. Okay. You can't make yourself grow. The seed will do what the seed does. It's just got to find a ripe place to grow over time. You responsive. Do you hear? Do you want to know? Jesus says that's what the parable is all about. And fellas, I'm telling you that folks in the crowd represent all those kinds of different hearts. As we preach this kingdom, some are going to reject outright. Don't want to have anything to do with it. Came to get some bread. You didn't provide any. I'm done. Some are going to look like good plants. And when the difficulty shows up, most specifically, when they find out I'm not overthrowing the Roman government and going to set up the kingdom right now like they expect, that difficult. They're going to say, well, in that case, we don't want him. Then the others, they're growing, but they got so much going on in their life that they just can't seem to find consistency. It's because they got too much going on and there's not uh, too much weeds and not enough seed. And then there are going to be some that are going to follow. And there ain't going to be a lot. Few there be that find it, but listen, pour into them. Teach them the things that I have taught you, and then send them out. But remind them, as they're sending out the message, they're going to get rejected. They're going to find folks that leave them in the middle. They're going to find folks that never really even mature, but they'll find a few. 
keep pouring into them. You know what I'm not excited about? I literally do not care that this church grows into like hundreds of people. I'm going to tell you why. Because I am a scatterbrain, and I don't know how to lead a whole bunch of people. Y'all know how scattered I am with y'all. And I just don't care that we get to a, a, a people so many that I don't even know what to do. Can't even, can't even remember all y'all. Can't even remember that that girl graduated last week. I don't want it to be big. You know what I like? I like seeing you grow. And there's some of y'all in this room that I have watched go from miles down the road to where you are now. And I'm just telling you, that just thrills me. Love it. And my hope is that we, you know, we equip you to go out and cast the seed. But guess what? You're not going to find the masses. Be, 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 be a little bit cautious of the masses. Be a little bit concerned that, that they're not getting stirred up and made mad. Jesus said there's not going to be a lot, but what you got, you follow. Now, fellas, let me explain something to you. Even though I told you some are, some aren't, some are not sure what they're going to do. It's a serious thing that everyone responds. Look at verse number 16. He says, no one after lighting a lamp, I think Jesus is talking about the lamp of truth, the light that he is, once you've lit that lamp, you don't cover it up with a jar or put it under a bed, right? This little light of mine, right? Y'all know, hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. You don't light a lamp and then put it under a bed. You put it on a stand. Why? So that that light... We'll, we'll uh, put on stand so that those who enter may see the light for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Look, this thing's on now. I'm here, I'm preaching and, and God's doing what God promised he was going to do and he's doing it through me. We're scattering the message but the light's turned on. It's going to expose all kinds of things. There's nothing going to be left secret when I come around. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to show it for what it is. It's there and everybody's got to do one of two things. They've got to either embrace the light or they're going to run from the light. And he says in verse number 18, but take care then how you hear. When the light's turned on, when the seed is cast out, there's some that won't. There's some that will for a little. There's some that'll get choked out. There's some that are going to grow up and mature and bear fruit. But you need to understand, it's imperative. It's serious how you respond. You better take care how you hear. Why? For the one who has, more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Wow, Jesus, what does that mean? That means you, you walk obediently in the light. You let the seed enter into you. You embrace it. You walk in it with faithfulness and, and, and let God sprout fruit in you. He's just going to throw more at you. He's going to give you more and more opportunity to bear fruit for him. But if you reject that light, if you reject, and I think he's speaking primarily of his person as Messiah, and I think he's primarily talking about those Pharisees that are trying to put him to death. If you reject that life, what you think you have is going to be taken away. Because let me tell you something, you ain't got nothing if you don't have me, Jesus says. For without me, you can do nothing.
Jesus, I'm just telling you. The success of the seed is going to be dependent on the, on the condition of the heart. But it's a serious thing how the heart receives the seed. As those who receive it will receive more and more opportunity. And you go, really? I get more and more? Yes, you get more challenges and trials and difficulties and all kinds of things that are going to plow you over and mess you up so that you might reflect the character of Jesus more. But if we get distracted, if we get turned from him, then we think we're in a place, and Jesus said, I'm sorry, you, you, you get caught up and the seed's not working, the seed's not active, you've not embraced me, you're not following me. You might think you're on the right path, you might think you've got fruit in your life, and I'm telling you, it'll be taken away from you because you don't know what you don't have. Or you can follow me. And, and you know what I think the disciples were doing when he was telling him, them this? I think they were going, Do y'all know what he's talking about? And I think, you know, Philip's looking over and saying, I'm trying. I don't have a clue what the man's talking about. And that's okay. Because that's kind of how we feel right now. But you watch their lives. The more time they spent with Jesus, the more sense his word made. The, The more they watched and the more they lived it out, the bolder they got. The more they saw his life active in their life, the more they didn't care much about what was going on around them. Uh, We're with Jesus. That means you need to kill me. Then fine, jail, don't want it. Beatings, would rather not, but I'm with him. And I think the same is true for us because the seed's the same. It's the message of God. We're not hearing Jesus in person, but we sure are hearing the eyewitnesses of his word and we're hearing the message of the spirit through the written word so here's the question today what is the condition of your heart right now just just evaluate your heart right now where are you are you the hard ground i mean right listen hard-hearted y'all listen to me just for a second you don't have to be like that. I mean, I mean you, could, you could say, God, my heart is hard, but I don't want to be a hard-hearted individual. Can you soften me up? Can you, can you do something? You reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I think he'll listen to that. But maybe you've become hardened because of some stuff. Today would be a great day to say, Lord, you know, what you've been saying has been going in one ear and out the other for a long time, and I know that that is not pleasing you. So, God, I, wanna, I, I, I just want you to plow me up today. Prepare me. M- maybe you've been on a history of sprouting up and falling away and sprouting up and falling away, and today would be a great day to say, Lord, i got some rocks you need to remove from me. It's that tendency to fall right back into that same temptation. It's that tendency to think, ah, if it's going to cost me that, I don't want. God, I just need you to focus me. Or maybe you're identifying the things that that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't. And you're going, wow, Lord, what I could really use is some good weeding right now. Help me to pull out anything that's not going to be helpful 
and, and, and leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So that maybe what would it look like if we all just kind of let God plow up our heart so that the seed would take root and we would bear fruit? And what is that fruit? The character of Christ being lived out in us. Sounds a lot like love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, and the one I always forget. What would that look like today if we were to just let God do the plowing? so that his seed might do its work. Maybe it is that you're here, you've never trusted Jesus, meaning you've never by faith trusted in the fact that Jesus really did die on the cross in your place for your sin, that Jesus really was buried and and that he got up from the grave and is still alive today. And you've never come to the place where you recognize wholeheartedly that that was done for you because of your sin and and that his resurrection secured an opportunity for you to be forgiven, for that sin to be paid for and to washed clean, and for you to be able to walk in newness in a new life given to you by Christ with a new identity, a new family, a whole clean slate an opportunity to represent him with your life. Maybe that's never happened for you. Today would be a great day for you to just simply surrender who you are and what you've got to the one who made you, to the one who loved you, the one who paid the ultimate price for you so that you might be brought into his family, forgiven, made new. It would be a great day. So with our heads bowed with our eyes closed, You've you've heard the message. The seed's been scattered. Now, what's the Savior saying to you? Let Him tell you about your heart. Let Him tell you about your soil. Let Him identify that. Then respond. If you'd like to trust Jesus, it would sound something like, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm I'm helpless. I'm hopeless, actually. I I keep trying to do right, and I can't do right. What right I do, I end up doing a hundred wrongs for every one right. And I know that. But I believe that, that your love for me made a way possible for me to be forgiven for my sin to be dealt with, and you did that by becoming flesh. God the Son being made like me so that He could pay for my sin. He could free me from my sin. He could defeat death and hell. And he could give me new life. Through His new life, His resurrection, I believe He rose from the dead, and God, I believe He's alive right now. And I I want you to save me. I believe Jesus did that for me. And I want it. If that's you today, I hope you won't leave before you come tell me, hey, Pastor Kevin, I just want you to know I trusted Jesus today. Because I want to be excited for you. I want to set up a way to walk with you. Pour into you. Encourage you. Christian, let's leave from here plowed up. 
at, at least identifying what needs to be dealt with. Let's move toward being good soil so that the seed of God's Word might produce in us the life of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your, your Word, opportunity we have to be together as a family. God, we thank you for the, the gifts, the abilities, the, the things that you've blessed us with in the body. We thank you that, uh, that you provide for us everything we need. You are in us, the person of your spirit, everything we need. And God, we just ask that you would begin to stir our hearts toward your mission. Making disciples. I pray that you'll help us to see how we fit uniquely into that call. Not as just a part of the whole but as a peace that has a function. God, begin to stir us in that function. Begin to show us the opportunities that are before us to lead people into growing relationships with you. And that starts by casting the seed. God, give us the courage to communicate the gospel clearly and correctly. God, help us to walk out the gospel in our own lives, with our own speech, with our own actions. God, I pray fruit would be produced in each one of us. We know it's going to require difficulty, challenge, tribulation, turmoil. Give us courage. Give us the ability to see your hand at work even when things are crashing down around us. Give us the unquenchable commitment to keep following Jesus no matter what. God, we need you today. We need you this week. If we're going to represent your son well, it's going to be behalf of what you do in us, but we know we got to respond. So work on our response. May it be open and bold, wanting you to use us in whatever way you see fit. God, we ask that your will be accomplished in our life. We pray that uh, your glory might be seen in this body. We'll thank you for everything you accomplish as we look forward to the return of your Son, our King, our Lord, our Savior. Your Son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Everybody said.